How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. is Flashpoint, shining light on the issues that matter to you in Philadelphia. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program, organ donors save lives. I'm Denise Nakano, and this week on Flashpoint, far too many families struggle with the unspeakable loss of losing a child during pregnancy or soon after birth. It's a very traumatic kind of loss, and it's sort of a human response to turn away from trauma. We'll hear from a mother who faced this loss head on. Being able to speak about this has really helped me give her life purpose. This week's Changemaker is providing space for healing after infant loss. And our newsmaker is a midwife who supports women of color during pregnancy. We need places as black women that prioritizes us, that sees us and exalts us and meets us where we are. It's a half hour you need to hear ahead on Flashpoint. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Denise Nakano. October is National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, a time to gain more understanding about the tragedy of losing an unborn child, a newborn, or an infant. And here with us to shed light on this important topic that happens more often than we all think is... Marissa Brainy, a TV host from New Jersey, and Dr. Raina Markin, who specializes on maternal mental health and on pregnancy loss. Thank you both for being here. Thanks so much for having us, Denise. Marissa, this issue is deeply personal to you, as it is for me. I miscarried my first pregnancy, and although this is the first time I've been open to talk about it, I've always been so impressed by you and how you really openly shared your loss. Please share more about your Charlotte. Well, thank you. So when I lost my first daughter, it was a little over seven years ago. I was a news anchor at the time and, you know, the viewers all followed along in my pregnancy journey. I did a series about prenatal fitness and, you know, they saw me anchoring the news really up until my due date. And so I had a a normal pregnancy, um, you know, no complications of any kind. It was the first time I was pregnant. Um, and even my labor uh, with Charlotte was was normal, no signs of distress. The labor was very quick. And when she was born, she wasn't breathing. So it was just sort of immediate panic of, you know, doctors and trying to get her to breathe. There was just too much fluid down into her lungs. They couldn't save her ultimately. And, you know, it, it drastically changed really the course of my life and my husband's life, uh, our life as a couple, our family's lives. Um, I think that a lot of people 
uh, maybe a misconception that a lot of people have is that, you know, this is a very private thing. And for me, it was anything but because one, because of my job, you know, I, I couldn't be private about it really, but also because I realized quickly that there are so many ripple effects to this type of loss, particularly one that is so traumatic. Right. And Dr. Markin, just as Marissa was saying, this can be such a really difficult time for women with a quarter of all pregnancies ending in miscarriage. So it's not so unusual yet. It's something we rarely openly talk about. Why is that? That's a really good question, Denise. I mean, there's a saying that we tend to measure grief in our society by the size of the coffin. Unfortunately, as a result, that many grieving parents grieve in silence and isolation and don't get the support and understanding that they need to mourn. Why that is, you know, I think that there's a couple reasons. One being that, as Marissa bravely said, this is a very traumatic kind of loss, and it's sort of a human response to turn away from trauma. You know, babies are not supposed to die. That violates our just general sense of predictability in the world, of fairness in the world. Um, So I think just the magnitude of the trauma sometimes is too much for us as a society to cope when we sort of turn away from it um, because it's so difficult to process. And Marissa, where did you find the strength to muster through this, to be so open after you lost Charlotte? And what what got you through it all? So, you know, at the time, I really didn't know anyone who had experienced this type of specific loss. What happened to Charlotte was extremely rare. You know, I knew that miscarriage happened. I knew some people who had miscarriages and I knew some some people even in my own family who had babies who were stillborn. So I did have a few people in my circle who I was able to kind of speak with. But it is something that is such an individual experience. And particularly because our situation was so rare, I had a very hard time finding anyone who, you know, lost their baby in the same way. I spent hours, you know, trying like Googling and trying to like see like, did this happen to anyone else? I mean, our doctors told us like this was like a one in a million thing. That was that was the quote they used. And so I was able to through social media connect with women who had lost babies in a similar way and a few, a very few, I mean, less than one hand who lost babies in the same way. Um, But those women, you know, really carried me through those initial weeks and months and years. I'm still connected with many of them today. And it's sort of this like, you know, there's a saying that it's this club no one wants to be a part of, but, you know, I found that very true in my life because this has shaped my life from here on out. It's not like this happened. I lost my daughter and then it's done. It, you know, my pregnancies after losing Charlotte were extremely anxious. You know, I, I'm blessed to have like three just beautiful babies. They're not so, so much babies anymore, but, um, you know, I couldn't have gotten through those pregnancies, the, you know, preparing for those births and even now parenting after loss, like all of that looks different through the lens of someone who has been through what my husband and I have been through. So um, social media really played a huge role in that. And I'm really thankful to see now seven years later, the discussion opening up more on social media and people being willing to talk more about their experiences. Because 
at the time when this happened to me, it, it was it felt very, very isolating. And Dr. Market, this type of loss, the loss of a child, whether it's at 11 weeks of pregnancy or just after a child is born, can really take a toll on the future, on relationships and how you feel about yourself, on anxiety. You know, how do you as an individual get through it and how do couples get through such sadness and, and this type of intense emotion? I think support is key. Support is key. Um, you know, I think because there is such this cloak of mystery and silence around pregnancy and infant loss, it's really hard for grieving parents to find the support and understanding that they need. Grieving parents enter therapy just hungry for drops of understanding, of empathy, and someone to understand what they're going through and be able to hold the depth of their pain. So I think it's just having support and people around you who understand and can give you the space to grieve and express sadness and rage and anger um, is just is just so important and key. And I think oftentimes women and their partners don't know that help is out there, right? They don't know or that the support groups are out there, that therapists and counselors are out there to help, or they feel ashamed to get that to get help. You know, there is nothing pathological about grieving the loss of your baby. That's the flip side of love. We are not built as human beings to mourn by ourselves. We need to mourn within a community and within supportive and understanding relationships. And I think what often happens with couples, especially in heterosexual couples, is that men and women overall, although of course there's individual variability, have different ways of coping with grief. And that can often cause conflict in a relationship. And couples therapy can just help the couple feel like they're in this together. Because the worst thing is going through grief alone. And Marissa, there are things that I know you wished you had known beforehand. So what would you like other women to know uh, who have lost a child or even who are planning to become pregnant or are pregnant now? Yeah, I think that one of the ways that, you know, we try to kind of protect pregnant moms is by like not talking about this stuff. Like we don't want to scare them, we, you know, and I really felt very naive to how common complications and losses are, particularly after the first trimester. I think, you know, people always say like, oh, after 12 weeks, you know, I can announce that I'm pregnant. And I think even that really does a disservice to women because it's almost like, okay, you're in the clear after 12 weeks. And that, that very often is not the case. I mean, it, you know, there, there are a lot of things that can happen all throughout pregnancy and early motherhood that I think, you know, women knowing more about ahead of time would better equip them for if this should so tragically happen to them. And I do wish that I had a little less naivety uh, going in um, by the same token. You know, I would wish what happened on me to, to, to no one ever, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I wish I didn't have that loss of innocence that I, that I have had. Um, but I think just having more open and honest and frank conversations like this one really will help empower women to just know that, that things do happen. And, and if they do, there is support out there. And, you know, Dr. Markin, as you said, um, there, there's a lot of support out there and, you know, it took me a while to find it, but I I'm so fortunate I did. And I, we did find an amazing grief counselor. We found an amazing support group. It, it just took a little while and I could have used a little more support in those initial days and a little more information about the type of resources that were available early on. 
Now, I want both of you to chime in on this because sometimes people just don't know how to respond to those going through a loss like this. So what should you say and what should you make sure you don't say uh, to friends or family or anyone who might have gone through a miscarriage, uh, experienced that recently or, you know, sometime months or years later or a loss of a child? There really is no one right thing to say or do that is there's nothing you can say to take away the pain. You can't give a person back their baby, right? So there's no there's no pressure to strive for the perfect thing to say. It doesn't exist. Um, but what you can do, I think, is just be there for someone. You know, your presence of just being open to hearing their story and what they've been through without trying to fix it or take away their sadness or their pain. I completely agree with everything you just said. And you're right. Like, there's so much that can be said about this and because each person deals with grief differently and the different stages of grief differently. You know, I find, I found myself, you know, what someone said to me in the first week after Charlotte died, you know, maybe didn't hit me the same way, but then thinking about it months later, I I was like affected by it in a different way, you know? So there was a lot of that too, you know, because you're trying to process so much, you know, you're trying to process this like direction your life was taking. And it's just this complete, you know, turn. uh, And and you feel very much like the ground has been pulled out from underneath you. People should not say is the, the phrase, at least when you have a loss so significant to you, there's nothing that really could have made it like there's nothing easy about it, you know? So that would be my number one. And and the other thing I would say is, um, you know, remembering not to project in, you know, I had a lot of people in my circle who were also pregnant or have new babies and, you know, sometimes like not, not meaning any harm, people would say things about what happened to me in reference to like how it made them feel being pregnant or how it made them feel with a newborn at home. And, you know, and and so that was really hard because that was like another burden kind of that I was like taking on of like, oh my gosh, like this loss has now made all of my friends, you know, worried that something's going to happen to them. So um, again, like people, people don't mean these things. And I, I did try very hard and, and still do, you know, to give people grace, you know, they're, they're trying to, to say the right thing and do the right thing. Um, but again, I think making sure people are aware of some of the things that are helpful and aren't is another way to just empower, uh, you know, lost couples who are going through this. And Rissa, what continues to comfort you about your loss of Charlotte? you know, being able to speak about this and hopefully help someone else has really helped me kind of give her life purpose. You know, it feel like I'm, you know, honoring her. So I, I try to do it as much as I can because, you know, even seven years later, because I have been open about it, because I've talked about it, I've gotten emotional at events and at, you know, in interviews and, you know, things that I've done over the years, um, women still contact me regularly who I've never met, who have followed me, who, you know, watched me back in Philly when I was a reporter there or watched me in, in New Jersey, or we connected with through a friend years ago and they kind of know me, but they know that this is a part of my life and a part of my story. And they reach out when unfortunately they're going through something similar. And it's like those messages just, you know, simultaneously break my heart, but 
also give me a lot of strength to keep going and keep talking about her and, you know, just hopefully do a little good in her honor. That's like, that's my main focus. Yeah. I mean, really raising awareness. And I talked about that courage and that bravery that I've always noticed in you since the beginning that you've shared your story and you continue to celebrate her, her, her birthday and, and everything. And, and that's something that I've followed you on, on social media for all these years. So I, I thank you for that. What message of hope can you give those who are going through this grieving process? Uh, you know, Marissa, you've traveled that path and Dr. Markin, you specialize in it. What can, what kind of message could you give? Well, I think, you know what, Marissa, what, you know, you just said really made me think of this concept of post-traumatic growth, you know, and I've definitely seen it in my clients that I've worked with that going through this grieving process, right? Parents are forced to confront their whole meaning system, right? Like making sense of the world, of their relationships, of what they value in life, of what they want out of life. And just like Marissa is bravely doing, making meaning from the trauma of loss, right, is a, is a, is a way for grieving parents to process the loss and to move forward with a sense of great meaning and purpose, with also having a sense of still staying connected to the lost baby, which is just so important, I think. A piece of hope that I would give is that grieving hurts like hell, but it is an adaptive process that as humans, we can move through when we have the support and understanding that we need to do so. I totally agree. And, you know, in terms of a piece of hope, I would say, you know, grief and loss changes you dramatically, but it itself also changes over time. And, you know, if you are in the throes of, of grief and this is something that has just happened to you and you're reeling from that devastation, you know, I just always want, you know, other moms to know that like, it isn't that way forever. It, it still hurts. It's still painful, but there are also these, these meaningful moments, these moments of joy, these moments of reflection that, you know, you're able to see how far you've come. You're able to see, you know, the way that this experience has helped give meaning to your life in certain, in certain aspects. And so I will say, I, I always hold on to that, like in my heart and I would hope other women would as well. Well, Marissa, you have some great strength. Dr. Markin, thank you both for bringing about that awareness here on Flashpoint. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Denise. Thanks for having us. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Our newsmaker of the week is making her mark as one of the few midwives of color in Philadelphia. Here's KYW Sheridan Howard with more. 
Tens of thousands of families across the country suffer the loss of their babies each year, and the number for black and brown families are even more devastating. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, African Americans have 2.3 times the infant mortality rate than white Americans, and black and brown mothers are twice as likely to receive late or no prenatal care at all compared to their white counterparts. But midwives like Asasia Mohammed here in Philadelphia are looking to change that. Asasia, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. Now, you're a community midwife based in in Germantown, and you say it's important for women of color to look outside of traditional means, traditional medical care for support during pregnancy. Why is that so important? Because we live in a society that tends to devalue, overlook Black women in particular uh, when it comes to our health issues and certainly our maternity care. And so we need places as Black women that prioritizes us, that sees us and exalts us and meets us where we are. And I say we because I was once pregnant and gave birth and felt like I couldn't find a safe haven for myself where I felt seen and heard and valued. Um, In fact, I felt like I was, you know, judged often. Um, because of my circumstances at that time. My clientele is majority African-American, black and brown women. And so I want people to feel a home with me, like I'm a sister or I'm a friend who happens to also be very concerned with the birth of their child. And please describe as a midwife what exactly it is that you do and why it's so important to the community. What do I do? I help them from the time that they discover that they're pregnant throughout their pregnancy. I help them with the labor and delivery at home and then with postpartum care also in their home. And you're not saying to use midwifery in place of hospital or medical care. You're saying in addition to, as a safeguard, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it's an off-repeated statistic that, you know, Black women are three to four times more likely to die or to suffer pregnancy-related complications. And I think it comes down to the stress of living as a Black woman in this society and the wear and tear on our immune system. And so when we add pregnancy in the mix, and pregnancy is supposed to be a very sacred time, but when you're kind of inundated with the stress of everything else around you, it can lead to poorer outcomes on top of everything else, like maybe not having full access to the things that we need, great food, environment, healthy relationships, resources that support pregnancy and that validate our experiences. So how does what you do make a difference and alleviate some of that stress? Yeah, so with Inner Circle Midwifery, I like to think of us as like a headquarters for Black women in Philadelphia. So whatever I can't provide as a midwife. So even if people are not healthy enough to give birth outside the hospital, I would like women to feel like they can pass through this space and get the resources that they need to be able to feel safe in the hospital. So we also have a doula circle and these are the women who work with us who they do home births, but they also work as advocates and support in the hospital setting. And they can consult with me for second opinions and things like that so that our sisters feel safe wherever they are, hospital, home, birth center. Now, please explain the difference between a midwife and a doula, because a lot of people just don't know the difference. A lot of people confuse the two. Yeah. So a midwife is a clinical provider. We care for pregnancy and and delivery in the clinical sense. So a doula, on the other hand, is more of a support person, like companion in birth. She's also an advocate for you to help you make informed choices wherever you are. So you complement one another. 
Exactly. Yep. So it's not just about birth. It's about the whole process before and after. It's about advocacy and the long game, right? Yeah. So as a midwife, I am an expert in normal childbirth, right? So the place that I like to start with all people is recognizing that pregnancy is not an illness. And when you treat it like an illness, when it's not an illness, you are subject to a lot of unnecessary interventions. So what happens with Black women is that we're kind of on either side of the spectrum where there's a lot of over intervention where you know you you come in and you're treated like a patient you're almost not even seen you're objectified and so everything that's happening is happening to you so it's hard to feel like you have agency over your care and so you kind of get funneled through this system where you know we want to speed up this labor so we give you pitocin then you now feel overwhelming pain so you get an epidural and then you know whatever at at that point the baby doesn't sound great so let's give you a c-section so you're kind of like filtered through the system without really getting to speak for yourself or understanding this the decisions that are being made on the other end sometimes we're just not seen or heard like we might say we're feeling something and it's like oh no you're fine Um, Like Serena Williams, like her instance where she had the embolism and she had a history of blood clots. So fortunately, she knew that about herself so she could advocate for herself. But unfortunately, some women don't have that luxury, which is why we have these outcomes. So my job is to be the clinical provider who can do the the assessments, like the blood pressure, the pulse, listening to the baby, looking at ultrasounds, talking about lifestyle and nutrition and help with the mental, the emotional, and the physical preparation of childbirth. I do work in collaboration with medical providers. And so oftentimes my clients are not seeing... Oftentimes, my clients are not seeing just me. They'll also see uh, their medical providers on a truncated level for ultrasounds and laboratories. Now, how does that lower the risk for the baby and the mother? Because you have continuity of care. You have you have personalized attention. So, so if you're not in this large system where you can kind of get overlooked or slip through the cracks, but there's one person following you, like I'm seeing you every single time, the same person. And if something comes up that is outside the range of normal, I can catch it pretty early and get you to the resources that you need to address it. Um, so I think that that helps because you have that continuity, you have that personalized care, and you're not just on this assembly line of like, you know, 10 minute visits in and out. And then when you're in labor, all these things come up that they just want to kind of fix with medications or... Now, as a midwife, you tend to lean more towards the holistic treatment, like the whole person. Yeah, because we're dealing with a full person. So it is very important to me to know not just what your blood pressure and your pulse is, but how are you eating? How are things at home? What are your stressors? How can we alleviate that? What are your fears and unpacking those fears? Like I I highly doubt that doctors even ask that question. And that's a question that I ask routinely. Like what concerns you about this pregnancy? What are your fears around giving birth? And let's go through all of them and see how we can bridge the gap between the fear and the reality of your situation and the likelihood of this fear coming coming about. That's what a holistic provider does. We look at the, the whole person. So what advice would you give to a soon-to-be mother right now? Yeah, the number one thing, and it cannot be overstated, is nutrition, is what you put in your mouth, the foods that you eat. And then second to that is what you put in your mind and what you expose yourself to because all of this goes into the blood that you produce in your body, how you are nourishing your placenta, which is the brain for the baby. It gives the baby all the nutrients, the oxygen that it needs. And so what you eat is essential. But what if you don't have access to a midwife? 
What do you suggest? If you don't have access to a midwife, maybe seek a nutritionist or doing a lot of research on the foods that you should be eating. Um, Also looking at your environment and minimizing unnecessary sources of stress is very important. Exercise is extremely important. Um, Listening to your body and following your intuition is also very important. If something feels off to you, then you should say that. If you feel like you're okay and someone is trying to convince you that something is off, you should also honor that. And lastly, I would say whether or not you plan to give birth outside the hospital, having a doula or having an educated support person to help you through the process of informed consent is important because that's often what gets lost, the ability to really ask questions and get fair and honest answers. So essentially you're a support system for both the mother and the child throughout the entire process. Something you say is absolutely positively needed in the black and brown communities. Yes, 100%. Asasia, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. If you're considering home care for yourself or a loved one, Patriot Home Care makes it easy with a caring and compassionate staff. Don't be overwhelmed by all the choices. Let Patriot Home Care help. Patriot Home Care is growing with offices throughout Philadelphia and now in Delaware. Patriot is accepting caregivers and new clients virtually as well. At Patriot, you will love what you do and feel rewarded by taking care of people who need your help. Patriot also offers some of the area's best pay, benefits, and a $600 sign-on bonus to new caregivers. Visit PatriotHomeCare.org. The Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week is presented by Patriot Home Care. KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. Her name is Kristen Samuelson, and she is the founder of Three Little Birds Perinatal. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on Flashpoint. Now, for those who don't know, tell us what Three Little Birds Perinatal is. First, we support the immediate and long-term needs of pregnancy and infant loss for families who live within the 50-mile radius of the Philadelphia and South Jersey metro region. We do that through a variety of services because there are no two journeys that are the same. So uh, that includes supporting miscarriage, stillbirth. Second part of our mission is to support the medical professionals that support these families. The work that our organization has done uh, working side by side with doctors and nurses and other medical professionals is the overwhelming response from them is there is no training. So uh, a huge part of our mission is supporting those professionals so that we can do what we call is giving families the best possible experience on the worst day of their life. The third part of our mission is we stand in solidarity with the thousands of other pregnancy and infant loss advocacy groups across the world to shatter the stigma that is associated with these types of losses, bring it to the forefront because it affects one in every four families. And so this is an issue that's really personal for you, right? At our 20-week anatomy scan, where you really, for the first time, get to see your baby, we were told everything was perfect. And we were so excited. Less than eight weeks later, I went to a routine appointment and was told, I'm sorry, there is no heartbeat. And it's even hard to say say it to you, even though I've said it a million, it's still just so hard to say. Uh, so after uh, that loss, the my husband works at the hospital we delivered at, and we in no way expected preferential treatment, but these people had a personal relationship, you know, with, with my husband on a, on a professional level. And we left feeling very unsupported. We decided uh, we were going to figure out a way to be the change we wished to see to give families what we wish we'd have. And 
so how can people get involved? How can they find you? How can they help if they're interested in doing so? Our website is where we constantly update uh, events, different types of resources, but we also primarily use our Facebook page. That's where we post articles, local information, just things from other advocacy groups that will just remind people that they're not alone and that the support is there for them. You can read the full story about Three Little Birds Perinatal on KYWnewsradio.com. If you know someone we should highlight as our next Philly Rising Changemaker, let us know. You can always tweet me at Air. That's A-R-L-E-E on air. That'll do it for this week's edition of Flashpoint. I'll leave you with a quote from the Dalai Lama. It is worth remembering that the time of greatest gain in terms of wisdom and inner strength is often that of greatest difficulty. For Sheridan Howard, Antoinette Lee, and our producer, Ariane Fulcher, I'm Denise Nakano. Thanks for being here with us on Flashpoint. Catch you next week. Flashpoint is a production of KYW News Radio 1039 FM. For more, go to KYWnewsradio.com slash Flashpoint and subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast wherever you get your shows. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives.